Hey nerdlings, this is Sarah Ashley. If I may interrupt your podcast listening for just a minute, I would really like to talk to you guys about Nerdonomy.com. That's our website. If you guys haven't been to it already, you should really go check it out. We have a page where you can just meet the nerds. We have a blog where we have all of our original content that we write when we're not recording. And we also have listener feedback. So if you guys really want to go ahead and talk to us, see what we have to offer, or even maybe make a nice healthy donation at our merch station, then you can please do so at Nerdonomy.com. All right, and now enjoy your podcast. Previously on Nerds on Film. So that joke that I just made earlier was a quote from Little Miss Sunshine, who was written by Michael Arndt, who's currently writing the script for Star Wars Episode Seven. but he wrote the script for Toy Story 3, and Toy Story 3 was distributed and animated by Pixar. Segway! Nerd status achieved over 9,000. <laughs> <laughs> Who yeah. else was a writer on Toy Story? Oh, are you talking original? Oh, yeah. okay, then Joss Whedon. There you yeah. Go. Out of nowhere. Like, that's what? one of the... Yep, yeah, Joss one, Whedon. One of the coolest, like, movie trivias about Pixar. Lasseter, John Lasseter, who currently, this day and age, is the head of Walt Disney theme parks and Walt Disney Animation Studios. Can we write him and tell him to make California Adventure better? California Adventure is awesome. It is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it can get better. I totally agree. But it is pretty awesome. It suffers from like a lot of disjointedness. Well, that's in my what, opinion. Yeah, it does because it has like all these different it's things. It's overflow from Disneyland because Disneyland no, doesn't have. No, but there's no through line. World of Color, me being a total lighting dork and tech dork, I was tears streaming down my face. I never cry. I'm gonna get so much shit for this. I did not like World of Color. You. I don't understand why she's getting so upset right now. It's because, because it's, you're it's, wrong. Yeah. It, no. Oh, it, well, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize that opinions had right or wrong answers. <laughs> right now, My your opinion fault. is wrong. Your opinion is wrong right now. No. There, there are bits about the park that I enjoy. I'm gonna wrap up and then I'm gonna let you, you know, sit there and tell me that I'm wrong about my opinion. Um, <clears throat> there are parts. I'm really good at it. Oh. <laughs> Listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, and Sarah Ashley. Ah. That was lovely, Sarah. Thank you for that. That was very nice. You're yeah, welcome. that was very nice of you. You're welcome. So, gang, I'm currently in. A, I, I guess you could call this the quarter life crisis. Um, just moving in general. <laughs> I'm currently moving out, and I spent uh, recently this past Sunday packing my apartment, and mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I'll save the TV and the Blu-ray for last. So I just put on a couple movies just to have in the background. As we all do. As we all do. Uh, we are film nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to put on Collateral, uh, the Blu-ray release, because I hadn't uh, seen the transfer. And I forgot how good of a movie that was. And while watching it, I had a moment where I just I couldn't believe it. Javier Bardem is in that movie. What? Yeah, no shit. Which what? scene? All right, so... When Jamie Foxx's character has to go into the club in order to get the data that he destroys from uh, Tom Cruise's uh, desktop, portable, whatever it was, he has to go into the club and convince them that he's Vincent, the character that Tom Cruise plays, in order to get the information for the last few hits. And so he's talking to the main bad guy that you only hear about. And it's just one scene that Javier Bardem is in that Jamie Foxx is talking to him where his character goes through... The moment of transformation. Like, this is the point where he is no longer the mumbling, nervous person and turns into not a badass, 
but a confident person. He was never confident in himself. And so I watched this moment. Like, I stopped what I was doing, and I watched it, and wow. One, Javier Bardem has almost a completely shaven head, and two, he has he's rocking, like, this beard goatee, and he doesn't look like him. And so I had to look it up on IMDb, and uh-huh. sure enough, he is. Wow. He is this character. For the life of me, his, his character's name is escaping me. But what was interesting is that on IMDb, this was his first American movie that he starred in, literally after this, Career Skyrockets. Wow. Wow. I know, right? No shit. Yeah. And so thinking about that, and thinking about how much I loved him in Skyfall, by the way, mm, um, yeah. that got me to wonder... If you could have Javier Bardem play any character in the past, who would it be? Or let's just say even in the future, or like any dream, any sort of dream role that you would have for yeah. Javier Bardem. Because he's like he hmm. is a weird. He he plays completely different people. Yeah, like he does not get typecast. That's no, true. Because in the Skyfall, um, yeah, like leaps and bounds different like the only close <clears throat> villain that he's played was Chigger in uh, No Country for Old Men which he won the Oscar for by the way right yeah, yeah. yeah. for not really saying anything he did the Marlon Br- or he did the Robert De Niro right he didn't say much and he got a fucking Oscar yeah wow and then it's, he killed people with an awesome air compressor air compressor oh that scene just gives me chills each time because he's like oh just just hold it just hold it hold it right there <laughs> there goes the guy's brains yeah <laughs> I take it you've not seen No Country for Old Men I fell asleep. <laughs> it is the I think it's like the only Oscar winning movie in terms of best picture where it that entire movie is a, a chase movie. That's all that movie is. A just I, long drawn out chase movie and it won best picture. I think I got it through Netflix and I tried to watch it like five nights in a row, but every single time it, because I didn't have any time to watch it during the day, I was watching it at night in yeah. bed and I just passed right yeah, out. It's not oh, like within, James within Bond. The, like James Bond. Like James Bond. Yeah. Within the first like ten minutes, I was just out. Like, yeah, it's not a movie. It's a movie that you literally I, yeah. have to be awake yeah. and paying attention. Yeah, now yeah. I do have it on DVD, not Blu-ray. Okay. I don't have that yet. So if you need it, perfect. I'll be more than happy to. Perfect, because I don't have a Blu-ray player. That's uh, okay. <laughs> you will soon. Wow. Soon. What's it like back in two thousand and one? Pretty awesome. The Backstreet Boys are still kind of popular. I like it. <laughs> I'm comfortable here. Don't make me leave my happy place. <laughs> so yes, getting back to the question at hand, <laughs> who do you think? Uh, who would you want Javier Bardem to play? Previous roles that have existed and in the future, who do you think he could play? Willy Wonka. Really? He'd play a really freaking twisted Willy Wonka. Wait, are we talking like seventies Willy Wonka? But are we he, talking he t- would. Yeah. He would be. It would be a different. It would, it would be a different take, wouldn't it? It sure would, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, okay. So I guess He'd I'm... be playing it on his own. Listen. Oh, I want to see his take like on Willy Wonka. Oh, okay, okay. Do you like candy? Well, those are two different movies, right? So you have, like, the, the Tim Burton version. Right, I'm, in not, the chocolate I'm not talking, like, yeah. I, well, I'm just saying, like, in which version, like, what, I mean, I'm not saying which Willy, like, what his take would be. I'm saying in which world of Willy Wonka would you want him to be in? Because they are two. I guess I would probably. I'd probably worlds. want him to be in the one that's closest related to the book, which would be the Tim Burton version. Okay. Yeah. But I don't want him to be like Michael no. Jackson, child molester type. No, 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 no that's no, not no. what I'm saying. What I'm no, saying no, no, no. is like for films like that, where there have been obviously either a, a, an original and then its predecessor, or their reboots, whatever the case may be. Right. Those are two distinct worlds. In this right. case, right, you have Gene Wilder, which is an entirely drug trip version. Yes. Yeah, versus, acid trip versus right, right, right. you know flashy Tim Burton. So yeah. which is like a heroin trip, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally different trip. Totally different totally trip. Come on, totally different guy. Totally different. I mm-hmm. would love to see him 
in Ghostbusters. As who? Ray. I think Ray. that Javier Ray. Bardem could play Ray Stance in a very wonderful now, way. Now, wait, wait, wait. He's replacing which actor again? Dan Aykroyd. That's what I thought. Okay. That would be weird. That would, would be, be weird. weird. He would be like the Debbie Downer of the group. <laughs> way more so. But Guys, we're out of the proton packs. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, the goo is coming out of the picture frame. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> Why aren't you listening to me? <laughs> I love that idea. It would be the weirdest dynamic ever. Right, it would She's be. like, are you a god? No. <laughs> I, no. <laughs> I like that idea. Okay. All right, so I'm going to go completely bonkers with my first choice, Austin Powers. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Do I so make weird. you horny? Oh, God. Do I make you randy? Uh, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Creepy. I know, right? <laughs> Ooh, Doc Brown. <laughs> Marty, it's a trap. Wait, what is... What? Marty. Wait, wait, wait. wait why Great is he quoting Admiral Ackbar? Oh, wait, hold on. I just got confused. <laughs> Marty. Javier Bardem. Admiral Ackbar. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I think we're on to something. <laughs> All right, call Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. What's the phrase that he says? The great the, Scott? No, 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 no. In terms of Admiral Ackbar, it's oh. from Return of the Jedi. It's uh, the blast shield cannot repel firepower of that magnitude. Oh, man. <laughs> and then of course it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the best Javier Bardem impersonation I can come up with. So clearly, yes, clearly. But in terms of Doc Brown. 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> Great Scott. The thing is, is, I feel like he actually is a very versatile actor, oh, right? Oh, he totally so... does. I, I, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm channeling his character Chigger from No Country for Old Men for right. these impersonations. I got that. Yeah. I don't know why. How would you know you fell asleep? I've seen clips, David. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's see. Um, oh, God, we, this game could go on forever. This could. All right, so then how about we come up with one future? Oh, uh, one future. Yeah, one like of future. a character that hasn't been done before? Or, or it, it could be not only just that. How about we open up the spectrum and movies in development that he could be related to? Okay. Or linked to. Um, like to give you an example, uh, Despicable Me 2 comes out in what? two months from when we're recording Al Pacino had recorded all the lines for being the villain and he just dropped out and so now they're having someone else so- I read about that yeah, yeah someone else just taking over for him alright so I'll start this uh, brainstorm a long lost Jedi or a Sith Lord for Star Wars Episode 7 putting that out there hmm. okay. okay interesting okay. what about if they were to redo Robin Hood and have him be the sheriff of Nottingham. Ooh, I could totally see that. I like right. that. Yeah, I like that idea. Ooh, ooh, mm-hmm. I got one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Javier Bardem. Yeah. As Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible 5. Well, what? as awesome as I want that to be, Tom Cruise literally did just sign it on Monday for Mission Impossible 5. I'm just saying, we're like we're saying for future roles. Like, okay. this is if yeah. we had to cast yeah, things. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Can't you see him just like hanging above <laughs> some sort of building? In his, you know, yeah, in the leotard, in his leotard, <laughs> and the ballet I'm just shoes. Imagining him in like, like Richard Simmons style. Okay, like, unitard. Let's go. 
to do <laughs> to decrypt the computer. <laughs> where in in his voice, you should say, "Where's the knock list?" Where is the knock list? <laughs> Is Richard Simmons a cheerleader? Uh, don't you watch his videos? Have you seen? Do you watch his videos? I did once. <laughs> I wanted to see how bad it was. I'm going to be completely honest. With you watch Sputnik with the oldies? All right. I was in an '80s leotard with jeans, sweatbands, and leg sweatbands. Okay. I wanted to get in the role. I'm sorry. I regret it every day. Did you record this? Never. <laughs> I was going to say because if you had a flash dance moment, we as nerds on film. Should view this. Probably Kevin, view this. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. are you a maniac? <laughs> like I was before. <laughs> oh, by the way, Despicable Me too. Uh, just to give you a heads up, uh, Al Pacino was replaced by Benjamin Bratt as the main villain. Oh, so okay. Complete two taller. That is totally different. No. Yeah. It is. All right. So Benjamin Bat- Bratt, Brad. I only see as being the, D- the love Miss interest. That's all I see him for. Love interest, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, a little, it is. He tried playing the bad guy in that Dwayne Johnson snitch movie. Oh, did he really? Yeah, I didn't see it, but I saw him in the trailer as the villain. So. Oh. We'll Sarah, see. Javier Bardem as Miss Congeniality. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that would be like the greatest film since Tootsie. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, I'm walking here. Then Javier Bardem. I think what would make America great is if we helped the starving people in other countries. <laughs> Except I think that the I'm Walking Here was from Midnight Cowboy. It was, but I am very certain because Dustin Hoffman was in Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. I am very certain that in Tootsie he does that as like a, a, nod, a nod to his to own it? role. Okay. I'm very certain of this. Okay, and to our okay, audience okay. who's never... I haven't seen Tootsie in a long time. I haven't seen Tootsie in a long time either. To the audience who has never seen Tootsie... For the love of God, please, please read that do. movie. Good script. Yeah. It is one of it is one of Dustin Hoffman's best performances. Mm-hmm. It was on TV the other day, and even the opening montage as he's like trying to teach the actress and like how to act and get her prepared for this audition, like that alone is worth the watch. Absolutely. Clearly, in my mind, he will always be the calm, cool, collect in every role. But I think these are some really good ideas. I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I especially like Miss Congeniality 3. <laughs> when, I don't know, when leg hairs go wild or something like that. <laughs> right. Right? Right. Right? Okay. Right. Miss Congeniality 3. <laughs> when bikini wax turns into fire crotch. <laughs> and with that, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Dave McGuire. And I am Kevin. Sue, Sue. Sutorius. <sighs> so let's actually pick this back up from where we last left off, which was we were covering the history of Pixar. Yes. yes. Um, and then David and I got into a fight, uh, and then we tried to get back to history of Pixar. <laughs> and it didn't work out. And subsequently, we did not talk about everything that we wanted to talk about. Which I, was... I, I wouldn't say it was a fight. No, it was a very strongly it was worded a debate. Yes, disagreement. It was a debate It was like a people's no, court debate. It was not a debate. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> do 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 Debates allow for strongly worded, thought out rebuttals. Oh, so this was not which, well thought out. <laughs> no, I did not have a well thought out rebuttal, mostly because I was like, dude, aren't we supposed to be talking about Pixar right now? <laughs> and that's why I won the debate because she failed to be in the moment. Uh oh. Yes, I, I think did. I think there's a revenge of the adventure coming back then. 
We, we a part two, part of the, two the tangent. <laughs> An unnecessary sequel about a fight. <laughs> Seems to be a running thing. We'll, we'll, we'll pick that back up again later, well, I'm we'll, sure. We'll definitely have to do a, uh, a combination episode of Nerds on History and Nerds on Film for Disneyland. I think that would be a great discussion because... Well, Eric has to go there first. He's he does have been. to go there first. But Brian being and I know the gigantic, a lot of you listeners are probably like... <gasps> He's never been. Well, I'm yeah. sure plenty of our listeners have never been either. Very true. Now, I, I especially like our European yeah. listeners. To those who do not live, Euro Disney. There's Euro Disney, and there's uh, Hong Kong Disney. Hong Kong. There's one in Japan. And one in Japan. So, for those who there's not live, there's going to be one in like Dubai, I think, or something like that. There, the, I read an article that Disney thinking about build, building Marvel Land in Dubai, which oh. makes no sense because. You, it is an extremely expensive flight out there, extremely expensive to stay there, and that Dubai is a city for the super rich anyway. I wish they would do like Marvel Land in like Hollywood or something. Or, <laughs> or San Jose, California. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guess what? Uh, that California's Great America, that can go away. Right. We don't need that Place anymore. it with Marvel Land. Yeah, to be honest, I think they're even uh, considering tearing that down for the parking lot for the new 49er Stadium anyway. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's a rumor I heard. There's no proof behind it. Just a rumor. But this is not Nerds on Theme Parks. No, it's not. not. yet. We should, we should make it soon. <laughs> but this is Nerds on Film. And so what we want to do is actually go ahead and just tackle the part two of the history of Pixar Pretty much, I think where we left off was yeah. right in the beginning of when Toy Story was being made. Correct? Right? Yeah, yeah. We left off right where Disney and Pixar signed an agreement for Disney to produce uh, and distribute three movies. Right. And the three, just as a reminder, were Toy Story, Bugs Life, and an unannounced third one at the time. Because there's a little interesting story about Toy Story two that I will share. Oh. I know. Yes, actually, R- controversy. <gasps> dun dun dun. <laughs> So That was cute. Yes, thank you. Um, so, picking up literally from there, Pixar at this time had 42 employees. They signed a deal with Disney in the early 90s, 91, for $26 million for Disney to produce three computer animated feature films, the first being Toy Story. Right. Um, at this point, the software programmers who you know helped create RenderMan, which was the software that they use to this day, um, and this CAPS system that I mentioned pre- previously before, and Lasseter's own animation department, basically this was a win for the company because at that time they had only been doing three, yeah, three television commercials and a few shorts for Sesame Street. That was all that's left of Pixar. Disney more or less saved them. So at this point, the total income and all the projects that they had done still were not helping the company Pixar stay afloat. But so then this merger was pretty much very mutually beneficial, as we've come to learn. Not just, well, the merger we'll definitely get into, but in terms of this contract okay. to not just make feature-length films a hel- a very generous amount of money at the time. 91, 26 million was a big deal. So this right. was... Uh, it's still a big deal. It's still a big me. deal. Not as big as a deal as then. Right. Now, what is it? Like, a trillion is a big deal now. A billion, not so much anymore. A million is, 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 a, is a deal. <laughs> you know what? A, a million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A, a billion, billion dollars. dollars. So. Thank you, Justin Timberlake. Thank you, JT. Um, so, here's, here's the sad news right before this happened. Uh, Steve Jobs, who had owned Pixar at this time, unfortunately was very disappointed how the company was losing money. And he even started shopping Pixar 
to other companies to buy out, even Microsoft. Microsoft was in contention and consideration for buying out Pixar from Steve Jobs. Really? I know, right? It's like total heresy for Steve Jobs, this guy who, although he did eventually get support for Apple from Microsoft to restart the company, it's still, that's that's a very, very intriguing like thought process he had at that point. Mm-hmm. So... Before we jump into production of Toy Story, the one thing I do want to mention is that um, I do want to talk about the Pixar shorts at a different day uh, because the amount of information covering the 11, 12 movies, the 12 movies that Pixar has come out with is definitely, it's, it's a lofty conversation, but I would love to talk about the shorts another day. Yeah, we can, we can definitely talk about Pixar shorts in a different episode. Absolutely. For, further on down. I'm down. All right. So I kind of created this little system in my notes in terms of going over just basic information about the film, awards that it won, and then some cool tidbits that I thought you guys would like. I love tidbits. Tidbits. I love tids. Bits. Tid. Biddle titties. Tiggle bitties. Wow, we definitely just did talk about boobies right there. The fact that you said boobies. Boobies. Booms. We're talking about the birds, <laughs> the guys, birds, the not birds. the fleshy bits, okay? <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> not the fleshy tidbits. <laughs> what's that uh, What's that Lonely Island bit where he's like, undress, saw her boobies, and the rest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway, all right, so Toy Story came out in 1995, November duh. 22nd, a fall release. Does uh, it, why does it not feel like it was that long ago to me? It's scary, yeah. It's really? It, it doesn't I, feel like in it my, was that long? In my, like, my own head, I feel like I could have sworn I was older when that movie came out. But I, I know. know. I remember seeing it in theaters. I remember going to theaters. I remember going into the theater and out of the theater. I cannot remember the experience I had because it just like it, it, that was the movie that really, apart from Star Wars, when I saw it on VHS, that was the one movie that I discovered that was... I found a passion in my life. I, uh, because of this, I love movies. You know what's really funny? The first time I saw Toy Story, God, I was kind of a hipster's kid. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like the the computer graphics stuff. I kind of just prefer two dimensional. Can we just stay with two dimensional? <laughs> wow, I know total I was, hipster right there. Fucking right. wood. But the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, no, I was kind of a hipster as a kid. You still kind of are in some regard. Well, everybody's a little bit hipster. Everyone's a little bit a hipster. hipster. Like, no. totally. <laughs> <laughs> I've, no, I've, well, I've always been a little bit more of, like, an old-timey purist, and, and I've, I've always been a little bit slow on the uptake on certain things of technology. So this was this was one of the ones, but I loved the you story. You realize that in front of you is a computer. I, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say that the story is what won me over on oh, that. Absolutely. And hence why Toy Story is like one of my favorites of all time. Absolutely. And uh, just as a refresher, because I think we did mention this at the last podcast, as a tidbit, you ready for this? Yeah. Joss Whedon is a credited uh, writer for Toy Story 1. Yes. Yes. We did, we did mention that, which is awesome. Yes. I think I... Did I find... No, I did not, unfortunately. Anyway, I had an interesting side note about Joss Whedon's participation to the script but i lost it unfortunately oh well anyway yeah, I would be interested to know, you're like, fired if he was if he was one of the last writers or if he did punch-ups or what he to did to be honest at that point he really hadn't created a tv show so i think 
it was more or less and not necessarily punch up, but I think it was actually like elemental in terms of creating characterizations mm-hmm. and you know plot twists Probably. that type of thing. So November twenty second, nineteen ninety five, uh, Toy Story was widely released in the U S. Uh, it was eighty one minutes long, so that's an hour and twenty one minutes. It's, wow. Yeah, that's short. The fir- Snow White was what sixty two minutes when it came out. Was it really yeah, sixty two minutes? Yeah. It's just ungodly to think of movies that are that short now. I know, right? So every movie has to be like at an hour least and a half. an hour and a half to two. Even rom coms. Yeah. Even rom coms. It's a kid, but it's a kids movie at the time. You know, you got to think of that. Very true. Very true. Uh, the budget for this movie. Again, considering it's 95 and it's the first computer animated movie, was more or less modest, I would say. It was about $30 million. What? $30 million to make the movie? Yeah, $30 million to make Ooh. the movie in terms of animate, distribute, and, uh, of course, pay the staff. Can we play the game you guys played on uh, WTF, Iron Eagle? Where oh. we try to figure out how much it actually grossed? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, okay. I'd be more than happy to because I have those numbers. Okay. okay. All right, so I have box office earnings and Rotten Tomato score. Okay. Sarah, go first. I'm going to say on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a at least a 95%. Okay. And I'm going to go with Sarah on that one. And then I want to say that it grossed maybe $90 million. All right. So I would say it actually broke the, the into triple digits. All right. So you guys ready? Yeah. yeah. So the box office earnings are worldwide, domestic, and international. $361,958,700. I was way the fuck off. <laughs> This is a huge deal, yeah, yeah. Considering that this is a first of its kind type of yeah, movie. Yeah, it was a first of its kind, but then, I, but I'm also trying to think of the year, like, I don't, you know. Whatever. All right, so you know what else came out in '95 mm. that was big for kids? Come on, Judge Dredd. <laughs> 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 oh wait, I'm sorry. Hold on, that was Arnold. Oh yeah. Hey, you've been judged. You've been judged. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. All right, so you guys ready? Yeah. yeah. Space Jam came out in 95 as well. Space Jam! So that was the other big kids movie of the year. Do your dance, now's your chance with on the Space, space Jam! Jam. All, right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Don't ever call me doll. The movie that brought R. Kelly into everybody's homes. I believe I can fly! <laughs> I believe I can touch the sky. And it brought Bill Murray. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Murray and Michael Jordan mm-hmm. in the same. And, oh, and Wayne Newman. Newman. Yeah. Newman. And Danny DeVito. And Danny DeVito, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so you guys ready? Rotten Tomato score. Yes. Yeah. 74 reviews. It had received a 100%. Wow. wow. Very cool. And That's for, why I said at least 95. At well, least. Yeah, of course, of course. Now, for those who are not familiar, Rotten Tomatoes is a website that co- that basically combines multiple reviews from top critics uh, domestically and from fans as well. Um, and so those 74 reviews came from top critics at that point. Giggity. All right. So in terms of the awards, uh, I separated it from the Academy Awards, which is obviously a big deal, and the Annie Awards, which are the animation awards uh, for, you know, commercials, television, and movies. Gotcha. So not the Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow Awards. Exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> David's favorite Not the musical. Bottom Dollar Awards. <laughs> I hate that show. I know you do. It's a play... Yeah, I was in it twice. You were? Who were yeah. you? Were you Daddy Warbucks or whatever his name is? No, I wasn't. Um, you're ter- you're certainly tall enough to be that. I was almost that, but they gave it to an eighth grader because it was his last year. No, I was... Oh, uh, I know, right? I played the villain. I played Rooster Hannigan. <laughs> yeah. You when was I was, a villain? Yeah, but I was super fat. 
Like there's a photo of me. How like, old were like you this, again? Um, fourth, fourth grade. Okay. And you're so at that point you were six one. <laughs> <laughs> that was with curly hair. That yeah. was with the curly. <laughs> and then I played it again in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, this time I got to play the radio announcer. There's a radio announcer in the show that does a song called um, "You're Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile." Okay. And uh, he's like this horrible, like human being. Yeah, he's not horrible. He's just he's like a he's a radio announcer like show like what we kind of do, but he does like an actual like stage show on the radio. Mm, okay. Um, but doing it twice in your life, and you having to hear the the that'll come out tomorrow makes you just want to like scream into a just pillow. like punt Annie through the field goal. Is that is that what you're feeling? <laughs> like, look, your parents gave you up for a reason. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's so Ouch. bad. Oh, that's bad. (laughs) All right. Well, then getting back to Toy Story, to Happiness and Sunshine, it was nominated for Best Sound, uh, Best Original Score, and Best Original Screenplay. Now, this is a significant moment in animation history because Toy Story was the very first animated movie to be ever nominated for Original Screenplay. What won that year? I don't remember. I, I only got the nominations and the wins for the movies. You can look this up. So I can tell you, and I remember this vividly, uh, and they had created this just for them. They created and gave the Academy Awards special achievement to John Lasseter. I remember his speech, and my favorite moment was he brought out a toy, Woody and Buzz, which, by the way, were the hottest toys of that year. Do you remember those? Yeah. Those were so I like I, wanted, I still want them, but I was so upset because I knew they, that they would not come to life. Well, in the Academy Awards, after John Lasseter had made his acceptance speech, he set the toys down on the podium. Buzz and Woody came to life, and it was very cute and very like chummy and stuff. It was awesome. I remember that vividly. Um, so, in terms of the Annie Awards, it won Best Animated Feature, Best Individual Achievement, Best Individual Achievement for uh, Producing, uh, Production Design. Technical achievement and writing. Wow. So it, it more or less swept any awards. Um, in terms of the significant milestones I found with Toy Story, obviously this was the proof in the pudding of whether this company was going to survive or not. Well, and it's, you know, that you could do a feature length completely CGI. Absolutely. And have it be hugely successful. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of backstory uh, in terms of the writing process for the script, in which case Jeffrey Katzenberg, who again was head of the animation department at that time, had way too many notes about the screenplay, and at first Woody was a jerk. Class A. Even Tom Hanks said that while he was recording the lines, wow, Woody's a real jerk. Like uh, He was too focused on um, not necessarily panache, but uh, more uh, a, a punch up in terms of a j- jokes that adults will get. Edgy was the word he kept using. And so they basically had to rewrite the script, I think it was about five times that I found in my notes, in which case the final draft was written in 1993. They had done all this pre production work, they had made the movie, and they had to start all over in 93 and animate the movie in two years for release. Um, just to kind of uh, catch up here, so the question was, who won the Oscar in 1995 that beat out uh, Toy Story? Yeah, for original screenplay? Yeah. Kaiser Sose. Then that's, I'm totally fine with that. Totally fine yeah. with that. The usual suspects, totally yeah, fine with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. As, as much as I love was, Toy Story. That- it was up against that, Braveheart, Mighty Aphrodite, and Nixon. 
Yeah, it, Usual Suspects should have won yeah. that, absolutely. Agreed. All right, so this was also the first full use of the RenderMan software because uh, it had been like in development while they were making the commercials and the shorts for uh, Sesame Street as well. And guess this. All right, so for those out there who know what it's like to animate just in 2D, let alone 3D, and make a one-hour and 20-minute feature, they'll know that this is like an achievement beyond like recognition. They had 27 animators working on this movie. Yikes. 27. Only? Yeah, only 27. That meant sculpting in clay for character wow. models, and then 2D animation for storyboards, 3D animation before rendering, and then 3D animation after or, or for rendering. Like, it's crazy. That's 27 insane. people. Yeah. Um, in two years? In two, they basically had to start over. They had a lot of material that they could use, but they more or less had to start over. That's ridiculous. Halfway through production, yeah. Wow. And that, you know, typically when you see a movie do that, where they have to kind of crumple up what they have and go back to the drawing board, and they're halfway through production and they have a deadline to meet by, because yeah. I'm just, I'm assuming 95 was their, was their deadline, or yeah, not, end of 90, 94, yeah. right? So they only have really like a year and a half to finish everything. Which, and typically in most movies, that that just spells disaster. Yeah. Um, the more modern example I can give is World War Z. Um, they had shot the entire movie, they edited it, and the studio and the director hated the third act. So they hired Drew Goddard, I think that's his name, yeah, Drew yeah, Goddard, who yeah, directed... Uh, um, Cabin in the Woods. Thank you. And he was also a uh, writer on Lost. And he was also, uh, he directed Cloverfield and Damon Lindelof to write the third act for World War Z. And they Shut had, up. And they had to go back, they shot for, what was it, four additional weeks to reshoot the entire ending of the movie. So yeah, that's another modern example is that that movie was supposed to come out last year. It got delayed a full year. Wow. That movie's had problems. That movie has had so many problems. That From the get-go. Well, I mean, no offense to Lindelof because I, I am a big fan and supporter of him. But does that mean that there's going to be a very open-ended ending? Well, here's the <laughs> and problem with that. somehow be related here's to the problem Faith. With Real fast. Uh, Paramount wants to find a way to make that into a franchise. Of course, so yeah. They, they invested something like $270 million into the movie after the reshoots. Something like that. My God. Yeah. Wow. So getting back to Toy Story, the only other uh, significant thing that I wanted to discuss is that Toy Story was actually re-released in 3D in October 2009, and it was a double feature 3D re-release with Toy Story 1 and 2. Um, and this was obviously the year before uh, Toy Story 3 came out. I remember that, yeah. I actually took an entire afternoon. I totally went to it, saw both in 3D, and it was amazing. You know what I love the most about that? The outtakes. That started, actually, that started the outtakes, right? Actually, that brings me to my next point. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well done. Segway. Segway. Sarah. Yeah. Bugs Life was the start of the outtakes. Yeah. Where they actually animated, you know, live recordings and scripted ones and animated those into outtakes after the movie. So Bugs Life was the start of that, which oh. was Pixar's second movie. Right. That came out on November 25th, 1998, so technically three years after Toy Story 1. The another duration, holiday movie. Another holiday movie, absolutely. Um, the duration of this movie was 96 minutes. So they Up the ante. So upping the ante, absolutely. Um, the budget for this movie was considerable. It was $120 million. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. All right, you ready? All right. So I think you guys talked about... Actually, that's not fair because you guys already know the answer to this one. I don't this, really... I don't remember... It, yeah, so go ahead. Make your... Make your, make your I think, no, I ahead, think critical acclaim, this one 
The critical acclaim on this one was better than Ants. Ants. No. 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 Ants was better. Oh, this one. This one was the one that was seventy-four percent. Ants was seventy-five percent. Right. Close. I remember ants being ninety-two percent. Oh, ninety-two percent. Oh. Ninety-one. Right. Or I'm sorry. Ninety-three. Ninety-two. Right. Right. Sorry. Sorry. I was thinking of a different one. But didn't. But this one beat out in domestic box office or in box office. Yeah. Yeah. No. This one beat in the box office for sure. Creamed it. $363,398,565. What was the one I was thinking of with the 70-something percent? I think that was... um, That was something terrible. It it was one of the other bad movies. Wait, was it uh, one of the Armageddon? Was it Deep Impact Armageddon? I don't think so. No, it definitely wasn't. Those were significantly low. Armageddon was like 38% or something (laughs) like that. Yeah, that was like significantly low. (laughs) Anyway, we'd have to go back and listen. I don't care enough. Um, So from 81 (laughs) collective reviews, uh, Bugs Life got a 92% from Rotten Tomatoes. Right, 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 right. Um, for the Academy Awards, it was nominated for Best Original Score. Did not win, unfortunately. Um, for the Annie Awards, it was nominated um, and unfortunately didn't win. Um, outstanding Achievement in Animated direct, uh, Theatrical Feature. Um, outstanding Achievement for Directing. Production Design. Outstanding Individual Achievement for Writing as well. And unfortunately didn't win. Significant uh, things I found with Pixar's production of Bugs Life. Um, this was actually the moment when Brad Bird was hired... By Pixar there we go. to join the team. Yeah, Brad Bird, being the director of an art of the Iron Giant, and who was one of the main writers for The Simpsons in the Good Years, um, this was ironically probably the best career move he ever made because yeah. after the unfortunate box office failure of the Iron Giant, it which was, is terrible because yeah. that is a good movie. Yeah, that is a very, it's a very highly, good movie. It's a very highly rated movie. I, I'm a huge fan of it myself, and so um, he was actually. Students with John Lasseter, Tim Burton, and several other notable uh, people in the animation industry back when they were at Cal Arts. And so I was going to add this later in the notes when I come up with The Incredibles, but Brad Bird was basically talking to John Lasseter and he was like, I'm in a rut. I feel really upset. And John Lasseter was like, dude, just come to Pixar. We'd love to have you. That's awesome. I, know, I right? wish I had a friend that did that. Be like, oh, right. by the way, I work for right. Universal. Would you like to just, do you want to just write? Do you want to hop on? Yeah. Just, like, just yeah, I, I, know, I know a guy. I'd be like, uh, yes, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Instead, we're like, we have a podcast. Do you want to be on it? And then they just go, nah. <laughs> I'm just uh, like, oh. I, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> oh, what's that line from uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall? I was going to, but then I decided to continue living my life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, so sad. My favorite little production behind the scenes uh, moment when it comes to the making of Bugs Life is that they had bought several of these like super tiny micro cameras, put them on sticks and put Lego wheels on them. And they literally went to their lawns and put the cameras in the lawns to like kind of get an idea from a bug's eye view of, you know, what does it look like, including uh, textures, sunlight, everything. Also a fun fact. That is also how they filmed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Bet you didn't know that. No way. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, just make sure we don't step on them, okay? The agents are very clear about this. What about Mr. Moranis? Mr. Moranis does not want to be touched or talked to at the moment. Thank you. As soon as he's done with Ghostbusters 2, he's going to drop off the planet of the Earth. Yeah, that's exactly Face of right. The Earth. Yeah, because yeah, where the hell is Rick Moranis, by the way? In oh, Canada. Because um... he completely disappeared. Like, He's I, waiting for Ackroyd to finally give him a call. It's going to be like, okay, I know I lied to you 12 different times in the past, but in the last GB3 year, three is happening. I swear, Bill Murray's on it this time. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. If you insist. Oh, all right, guys. <laughs> 
Um, in terms of the production with Bugs Life, this was a complete overhaul of their software and hardware because they had to animate crowds for the first time ever. Um, it, it unfortunately made the entire process extremely sluggish uh, because they had never done this type of thing before. In several shots in A Bug's Life, there were uh, anywhere between four to 800 different ants in the crowd. And so they had to create software to manage the, the, the crowds in the movie. Is that how they got... I mean, because I know a lot of, um, a lot of CGI usage at the moment now um, does the same thing where there are multiple crowds like yeah. scenes so yeah. did this kind of develop that software to begin uh, with it was it was a, a i would say if i were to make an educated guess it would be a precursor okay so to give you an example the animators would only animate about four to five groups of approximately eight what they called universal ants so when they designed these uh, eight individual and universal ants. Um, they would put each of these ants and randomly distribute them throughout the digital set. And they developed a program so that way it allowed each ant to be automatically modified in subtle ways. Um, the examples I found were different eye color, different skin color, different heights, and different weight. Oh. So they built an algorithm basically so that way we. It's a kind of like created, a random function. Yeah, a, a shuffle. shuffle. So they created eight, and then they said, okay, duplicate these. And when they duplicated it, it went to this random shuffle thing, and it created eight more that were completely different than the first eight, and then so on and so and forth. And they would put these in groups of four to five uh, in a surrounding area, yeah. Brilliant. That's Yeah, that's really cool. Unbelievably. And so by doing this, they ensured that no two ants were ever the same. Just like a snowflake. Just like snowflakes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, of course, like I had mentioned before, this was the very first Pixar movie to have outtakes. Mm. Right. All right. So now we get into Toy Story 2. Okay. So how did this happen? My favorite outtakes. Yeah. These are probably some of the best outtakes. Remain seated, please. Permanece our synthetos. That's my favorite line. Oh, that was so good. Um, Joss Whedon actually had the original idea to put Barbie into Toy Story 1. I found that note and I just remembered it. So cheers to you, Joss. Yeah. Strong, independent women characters in his movies. Yep. Love that guy. Yes. So. Too bad Dollhouse wasn't better. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so, all right. So, just to give you guys a refresher, are you ready for this? Yes. Bugs Life came out November 25th, 1998. Toy Story 2 came out November 29th, 1999. That is literally a year and a day between releases. All right, so I'll, I'll get into the, the extremely challenging, troubled production and everything. But Toy Story 2 was 92 minutes, so mm-hmm. it's still floating around that area of an hour and 20, an hour and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, right, it was budget, just a little bit below Bugs Life. Right, right, exactly. Oh, no, actually, no, no, this would be was, right above it. Wasn't one minute Oh, no, above? no, you're right. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Okay. IMDb, bitch. I know, right? That's where I got my notes from. <laughs> um, the budget for this movie was lower than Bugs Life. It was $90 million. And now it's time for the guesses. Total box office earnings worldwide. I don't think this one did as well as the first Toy Story, right? I think critically, probably not. I think, like, I think box office-wise, I didn't think it, I don't think it did better. All right. So, hold on. First Toy Story was, what, like, over three million? So, first Toy Story, just to go back in my notes, was 361 million. Okay, so this one, I'm going to say low 200 million. That's a good guess. Low 200? Yeah. 
Watch, we're going to be both. 485 wow, million, really? 15,179. I remember, I, for some reason, I just feel like that one wasn't as like box office successful. Because I don't think, I, as a sequel to a success, I think it is going to make that much money. Mm, yeah. Okay. Right? Like, t- look at this way, right? Not so critically acclaimed Iron Man 2, like, made a lot of money. Sure, that, sure, that sure, sure. Made gangbusters, man. Okay, okay. True dat, true dat. All true right, dat. so, all right. Rotten Tomato score. Let's hear it. Uh, that one, I'm going to say at least... No lower than 75. 85. 100. What? what? From 161 God damn it, we're so reviews. fucking wrong all of no, the time. No, it's okay. This, is, this makes I'm for a lively so conversation. so wrong. So, yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not as good as the first one. What? We had this discussion last time. What? But here, here's my problem with Toy Story 2. Right, I, I loved the backstory of, of Woody, and I loved him. I don't know. There's Discovering just, himself, man. Yeah, I know, I know. I guess it just... And I guess maybe it's because you'll explain it. Kelsey Grammer. I'm no, not no, that def- was three. No, it was Kelsey Newman. No. Yes, Kelsey Grammer. No, uh, Newman. Oh, right. I'm sorry. They're yes. both in that movie. Kelsey Grammer and Newman was, right. the, was yes. the collector. Kelsey Grammer yes. was... Prospector. Prospector. Yeah, of course. I, and I loved all the new characters, but I just there was just something about it that just never sat right with me. And I'm thinking maybe it's because they had a year probably to do it. So maybe it felt a little rushed. Before we get into that, just quickly go over awards. It was nominated from the Academy Awards for Best Original Song for mm. When Somebody Loved Me. Oh, Isn't that Sarah McLaughlin? That was Sarah yeah. McLaughlin. Oh, God. Oh, that, that, that song scene breaks my is heart. tragic. Oh, just, God, yeah. Ugh. That's the first time I cried at a Pixar movie. Really? Yeah, that song. And you haven't stopped since. Haven't stopped since. Except for Cars. We'll get Did into Did you that. cry at Cars? No, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, of I, course. No, okay, guys, I did not I did. cry at Cars. I, I, I teared up a little because there were several emotional moments that I, I resonated with, but we'll get into that. Okay. All right. So unfortunately, this did reminds not... me of my car. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my car lost its carburetor. <laughs> I've actually never seen cars. Really? You're not missing much. Well, it's an interesting concept. We'll no, get no, to no, it cars. We'll get to. You definitely should see. Okay. Because there's a great idea and story behind it that's not executed as well as the other Pixar movies mm-hmm. which is saying something because Pixar movies on the whole like, yeah fire I think, I'm pretty cylinders. sure it's the only one I haven't seen you seen Cars 2 oh no I haven't seen Cars 2 I didn't see okay, Cars 2 either all right again we'll get into that okay. okay in terms of the Annie Awards it was nominated for uh character animation and outstanding uh individual achievement for production design it won for animated theatrical feature it won for directing it won for um, music in terms of soundtrack. It won for story, uh, storyboarding as well, um, for voice acting by a female performer as well. I think that one was actually um, Cusack. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was Cusack. Yeah, Joan yeah. Cusack. Joan yeah. Cusack, yeah. And then Outstanding for uh, voice acting by a male performer, which for the life of me, I forgot who it was. Um, but then Outstanding Achievement in Writing. Okay. So it swept pretty well. Yeah. Right. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. So... This basically starts, this whole problem starts when Bugs Life is almost done before it's released. They technically had less than two years to make the movie, technically, because this whole issue started right around the time when Bugs Life came out. Disney had already developed its own animation team to make direct-to-DVD, direct-to-home movie sequels. The most prominent one that I can give you an example is... Aladdin 2, The Return of Jafar. That was a direct... Yeah, I know, right? And then Aladdin 3, what was it? Uh, 
King of Thieves. Right, which is about his father. Yeah, it was, that wasn't The bad. only good thing that came out of Return of Jafar was when the genie turned into Mrs. Doubtfire and said, listen to genie, dear. And I thought, yes. yes. But, all right, so get ready for this. Um, Dan Castanella, who yeah. voices Homer, yeah. he voiced the genie in that, not Robin Williams. Oh, man. No way. I knew, I knew that. Cause yeah. after, he I forgot about that. that. But then, that's but then Robin Williams came, came back, back for Aladdin 3. Yeah. yeah. So, Pixar, when they had signed this contract, didn't plan for Toy Story 2 to begin with. Right. To, to be ironic. I'm very, or not ironic, to, but in all seriousness, it was more than likely going to be Monsters, Inc. was going to be that third movie. Um, Disney had saw the success and the powerful team uh, and the licensing potential for Toy Story. And so they started making Toy Story 2 without telling Pixar about it. And then eventually they do find about it and they're like, whoa. Hold the phone. When we made this agreement, you it explicitly says you are not allowed to make direct-to-DVD, direct-to-home movie sequels. And Disney's like, well, we need to make some money off of this, too. And Pixar was like, nope, nope, we'll sue the living daylights out of you. And then Disney's like, well, what are you going to do about it? And Pixar's like, you know what? We're doing this. We're going to have this come out in 99. Just, we're doing this, pretty much. That's that's a, a truncated very, version truncated, of what happened. Truncated, yeah, version huh. of what, what went down. So they technically had to scrap everything that the Disney animators were doing for the direct-to-DVD sequel, completely write the story, completely storyboard it, and completely animate it, boom, in less than two years. Wow. Now for, I would be so pissed. Now, for those that are, that are more interested in the troubled production for this, because it is extremely interesting to learn about, um, the Pixar Story documentary is definitely one. Um, I think it was on the Toy Story 3 special features. They actually have several little shorts of Pixar producers and animators going over how much... I, I, I'm going to have to say how, how much, much shit that they had to go through in order to make this movie. And there's one significant... To make the third one? Or to make the second one? To make the second one. Oh, okay. Um, but there's one significant point that I have to talk about because it is, like, shocking beyond all belief. So, at this time, while they're wrapping up uh, A Bug's Life... They had 300 people on staff working for Pixar, and Disney was not happy that none of those 300 could be allocated to start production Toy Story 2. And so everything, the entire server system that they were using, literally everything was being used by uh, Pixar for Bugs Life because they hadn't finished at that point when right. they wanted to get started. So it, essentially Disney says, you know, fine, we'll make, let you make this. It has to come out in 99 and there's, you know, there's no, there's no leniency in that. So Karen Jackson, uh, one of the co-producers of Toy Story 2, had this quote. When we went from a direct-to-DVD video or direct-to-video to a feature film, and we had a limited time in which to finish that feature film, the pressure got really amped up. Forget about seeing your family. Forget about doing anything. Once we made that decision on that scheduled date, it was like, okay, you have this release date. You're going to make that release date. You're going to make these screenings. Wow. That was That's the mentality insane. for two years. Imagine doing that. You you are giving up your personal life in order to make this happen. That is what everybody did for the entire team. So with that mentality, one extremely catastrophic moment. Catastrophic. Catastrophic. I am so sorry. I like the way he said it better. Catastrophic. <laughs> catastrophic. But anyway. That sounds like a villain. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So catastrophic moment happened and this I, I i did get from the toy story 3 special features the movie at this point was almost done it was currently going through the rendering process and somebody accidentally deleted the entire movie off the servers 
the entire movie. Oh, I heard about this. Yes, what? and so. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Darla Anderson, I think that's her last name, she's one of the main producers and ironically named after, or the character Darla Nima was named after her as a joke. Um, she had like a work print, uh, for those in the movie industry know what I'm talking about. A work print is basically a compilation of rough edits, cuts, storyboards, 2D animation and 3D animation pre-rendered and actually rendered together. Saved onto either, what was it, a disc or on a, uh, her home computer. Yeah, 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 And yeah. so she had to cart her entire computer from home over the, like, you know, Golden Gate Bridge to get back to where they were working in order to recover from that. Oh, my God. This was, God. like, halfway three quarters of the way into production. And I so heard about this, they yeah. still made their date. The entire movie Holy got accidentally shit. deleted. And they were still able to make their date. And have I, it be as good as it was. And have it be as good as it was. Like, holy, holy freaking cow. No, I, I have not heard a story as monumentally amazing as that. Like, that is almost a phoenix rising out of the ashes type right? of thing. <laughs> unreal. Absolutely unreal. That's amazing. Now, to save on time and money, they had to basically elaborate and expand previous sets that they had used, 3D sets in Toy Story, but... They didn't want to completely recycle everything, so they obviously had to create some new ones. Um, one of the recycled bits that they had was they took the character from the short that came with Toy Story, or no, it came with Bugs Life, called Jerry's Game, the old man who's playing chess. I love that one. Yeah. So they had that entire character model added into Toy Story 2, and he ended up being, and giving him a voice, too. Yeah. Um, he was oh, the he toy was, cleaner. Yeah, he, he was the he guys. He's the guy that sews uh, Woody back on and yeah, yeah, yeah. paints over Andy on the bottom of his boot. Yeah, so they recycled that bit into it, which I thought it was actually it was really awesome because it was like an homage to themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now this is where it gets in terms of the technical aspects of Toy Story Two. They had to animate dust. They had to draw, design, and animate and create a physics engine surrounding how dust particles work. Oh my god. Yeah, imagine having to do that. So, in the notes that I found, they obviously had to create new uh, technological... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They had to create new ways to animate now because the technology had uh, you know advanced so they could make their character models look a little more realistic and they had to create their own software engine to animate dust. In terms of uh, how they were able to achieve that, it literally took just experimentation after experimentation and get ready for this. Are you guys ready? I'm, I'm ready. ready. On the shelf that Woody sits on in the completed film, mm -hmm. there are over 2 million dust particles on that shelf. Just to give you an idea of how much dust oh they had to animate and stuff. Oh my god. Yeah. Shit is nuts, man. Can you imagine just going home? It's like, honey, how was your day? Oh, fuck, I had to make <laughs> dust all day. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was just dusting they, all they day. Sh they shut me inside of a dust room and just told me to draw. It was awful. Yeah. So, out of all the movies that Pixar had worked on, even to this day, Toy Story 2 was their greatest achievement in terms of production and technical standards. That really sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. So, we kind of know what happens next after Toy Story 2, right? Then we get into Monsters, Inc. Territory. Get into Monsters, Inc., that came out in 2001 on November 2nd, so right. two years after that. But and that movie had been in development for technically three and a half, almost four years. Right. And then we get into, after Monsters, Inc., what's what's after that? We have Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Right. And then after Finding Nemo... We have The Incredibles. Right. Which is the very first PG-rated uh, uh, Pixar movie. Mm. Oh, I didn't Why realize... Why was that PG? Because of action-related violence. Oh, yeah. Oh. And the this capes. was actually yeah. It's all those damn capes. I know, right? 
No Capes. And that was actually the first Pixar movie to have an all-human cast. No mm-hmm. inanimate objects, yeah. no animals. All-human cast. Actually, that whole cape montage is probably my favorite part of that whole movie. Oh, Especially God, when, so like, when uh, was it Tur- Turbo Girl gets sucked into the jet engine. Oh, yeah. Shit's oh. hilarious. Oh, it's so, <laughs> I gotta say, first viewing of, of The Incredibles, I wasn't too keen. Really? Right. Uh, but I can see watching, it, yeah. watching it again, it's just it's so good. It's a really and good one. It's the first time that the world really gets introduced to Michael Giacchino. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because Giacchino, you glorious bastard. Yep. Yeah. Accentuating thought, moments like nobody else. <laughs> I thought just the stylizing of that movie. I oh, think yeah. is probably like the, so modern retro. Yeah. I think it was probably the most remarkable. I think of the Pixar movies up to that point for me, at least. Oh, absolutely. And it looked very comic booky. The way the characters exactly. were created. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was very like very that, comic booky. Yeah. The, the the stylizing of it. It was just impeccable. so good. Um, and kind of kind of tying it back. So when John Lasseter asked Brad Bird to you know come work for Pixar. Brad Bird had actually pitched the idea of The Incredibles to John Lasseter in terms of a family of superheroes in the vein of Fantastic Four and just, you know, struggling through day-to-day life. And John Lasseter was like, yeah, I'm sold. You're going to come work for us. And he got to develop The Incredibles. He wrote and directed The Incredibles. So damn lucky. I know, right? So damn lucky. Well, I mean, obviously, luck and, like, yeah, ridiculously stupid, gross amounts of talent. Well, yeah, I mean, look, then he moved on and he did Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which, for his first live-action, non-animated movie... As an extreme success. He did an amazing job with that movie. I was very fortunate to go to the San Francisco Metreon Theater and see the movie in the IMAX six-story presentation. So the entire moment when he's climbing the bird Khalifa was all shot in IMAX. They had to destroy several buildings, and the management was fine about that to get certain shots. But yeah, that's all Tom Cruise. Not one stunt double was yeah. used for the entire sequence. It's amazing. Brad Bird. Brad Bird, you are a genius. I cannot wait to see what you do next. So I guess the question now becomes, right, so we, we have this... Oh. There's oh, Hold on, there's one more significant point. Literally after The Incredibles uh, comes out, before Cars, before Cars comes out, this is the turning point for Pixar. This is when negotiations were getting very heated between Disney and Pixar and even Steve Jobs I think he was actually quoted saying that they are no longer actively looking for Disney as a uh, as a partner for their future films like it was getting really bad and then this is when Disney bought out Pixar mm. in 2000 what was it 2006 uh-huh. right so get ready for this I actually I got the numbers yes the final acquisition was completed on May 5th 2006 right before Cars came out you ready for this yeah Disney bought Pixar for count $7.4 billion in an all-stock deal. Wow. Which made Steve Jobs the leading Disney shareholder. Wow. All right, so to give you an idea of, you know, some comparison, Disney has recently bought out two other major studio franchises. Mm-hmm. They bought Marvel Studios for, count them, $4.24 billion, and Lucasfilm for $4.05 billion. Pixar Pixar, was very valuable. Pixar was more valuable than, technically, Marvel Studios, which has made them more money, and Lucasfilm, which is going to make them hell of tons of money. Stupid amounts of money. Stupid. Not just because of the pre, not just because of these three other sequels, but because of also all of the merchandise and spinoff movies. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I mean, they're already making money off the merchandise. Oh, absolutely. That's true. Disneyland, Disneyland, they have all the Star Wars toys. That Mm -hmm. yeah. So. 
I mean, at this point, Toy Story 2 was definitely their triumph. It was the hardest amount of work that they had to do, and they still were able to pull it off. So, I mean, like, that speaks leaps and bounds about not just Pixar as a company, but about everyone that works for Pixar. It has that same mentality that I would think that Apple, like working at the Apple offices, is where... Sure, the pay not be phenomenal, but you are working in one of the best environments, and it's because it's a company that you admire that you will do anything for. Exactly. And so I think that's part of the reason why Disney bought them for $7.4 billion, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I mean, like, all the other movies that they've done since then, so in chronological order, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, uh, The Incredibles, Cars, uh, let's see, where else are we? Uh, Cars, Ratatouille, WALL-E, up, then Toy Story 3, Cars 2, and then most recently Brave. I mean, they have a much wider range in terms of storytelling, and I'm really glad that they finally got to a female protagonist with Brave because oh, it had all it. been male protagonists at that point. I love it, and Brave is such a good movie. Yeah, I sit, I totally sit in the, the minority here where I, I really, really, really like that movie. It's very, very good, and yeah. it, even though it's kind of mother-daughter themed, you don't have to be like mother-daughter no, to appreciate that movie at all. Not at all. Not Never at all. saw it. <gasps> oh, but oh, you really out. should. It's very you totally good. Should. You totally it's, should. It's just, it's a beautiful movie. I think it, um, again, has impeccable styling. Yeah. Wonderful soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so this is like one of my favorite tidbits about Brave. Mumford and Sons wrote and played the music for the main song of the movie, but they had a, a Celtic female singer sing the song itself. Mm-hmm. You had me at Mumford and Sons. I know. I, I am I am so deeply in love with Mumford and Sons. I'll pay anything to go see them perform. Me too. Oh my god, if I could see them. I've I've oh. seen them before. Like they're really see, good. See, I bought their Gentleman of the Road edition for uh Babel that has their mm-hmm. live at Red Rocks DVD and C D combined. I listen to Babel at least once a week, the entire album. It's Babel so is an amazing album. It totally deserved best album of the year from the Grammys. But anyway. We should do nerds on, on Mumford and Son. We totally should. <laughs> I would do love that to. separate episode yeah. just for ourselves. Yeah. Um, so I did mention before that Disney had re-released and Pixar uh, Toy Story 1 and 2 in 3D. Since then, they have released Monsters, Inc. in 3D, Finding Nemo in 3D. I'm trying to think what else. Up was technically Pixar's first movie that was rendered in 3D. It was mm. the first 3D movie. So like that was a, I, I thought pretty significant. I saw it up in 3D. I saw I it in 3D too for the first time and I was really impressed. It wasn't bad. Those shots where they have uh, the where they, when they and, finally yeah. arrived I actually I cried at that because it was just like it was perfect because at that moment in my life um, I had gotten into the Planet Earth series and the BBC Life series as well mm-hmm. and so like Coming from that emotional journey of those amazing documentaries and seeing this almost photorealistic shots of South America, like, wow, I just couldn't believe it. Completely awestruck. Um, Toy Story 3 was obviously the next movie that they were able to render and release in 3D. They did the same for Cars 2 and for Brave. I did see Brave in 3D and it was actually very, very good. Because I, I like how Pixar, when with their upcoming movies and ones that they've rendered in 3D, is that they play what I call the depth game, where yeah. it actually is. It feels like a window, not a gimmick. Right. There are movies where they have to post-convert in 3D. Iron Man 3, I think, to this day, and Jurassic Park are tied for the best post-convert, but it's not the same. I really appreciate uh, movies that, when it comes to 3D, they play that depth of field to make it feel like you're looking out of well, a window. Well, it's, it's they're going out, not coming at you. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So I'm really looking forward to uh, Monsters University, which is their first prequel, Ooh, which I'm looks so like excited. which looks like a Revenge of the Nerds love letter. It right. does. I'm yeah. So excited. I think for we that. mentioned that last time. I think we did, or no, we mentioned. Oh no, it when we, we mentioned. Saw it yeah, because we I, I remember. I remember leading over to you being like, "Dude, it's kind of like Revenge, Revenge of the Nerds," and you're like, "Yeah, that's pretty much it." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah okay, cool." <laughs> and so, if I just said Revenge of the Sith, I apologize. Yeah, Star Wars weekend just happened, so Revenge of the Nerds is yeah. what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> So then what's, uh, so after Monsters University, what else can we expect from Pixar? So what's in the pipeline uh, for right now is obviously Finding Dory. Right. Uh, they have a, a, a awesome dinosaur and kids movie where if dinosaurs didn't become extinct. And I think the working title is like My Pet Dinosaur or something like that. Uh-huh. Really, really cool idea. Apparently that one has been in the works for, I think, six years. Wow. Yeah. Um, they also have a movie that is being directed uh, by Lee Unkrich, who did Toy Story 3, um, all about Dia de los Muertos. Oh, okay. Day of the Dead, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting topic to make a Pixar movie off of. That is really interesting. And then Pete Docter, who did Monsters, Inc. and uh, did Up, is coming out with a movie where it all takes place in a child's mind, and it all has to do with emotions as characters. That is the one that I'm probably the most excited about. I am too, because that is the most radical story idea I have ever heard for a movie, whether for, animated or not. For a mainstream movie, yeah. Oh, mainstream too, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I would say I'd say there's probably some independent movies that you know will touched on it. Yeah. College right. art movies and shit like that that would do that, but that that seems very fascinating. I know, right? Now, just to give you guys a heads up, there was, believe it or not, a movie in the pipeline that was canceled. Disney Pixar was going to be releasing a movie called Newt in last year in 2012. I'm so glad you brought this up because I was just about to ask about that. Because, but it was canceled because the plot point for Newt basically mimics Rio, except the animated movie Rio. Except Pixar's story was a lot better in terms of what they released and from what I've read. I enjoy Rio, but I don't think it's that great of a movie, personally. Yeah. They, they try too hard with the colors and the songs and don't focus enough on the story. The voice acting was fine. But yeah, that was I never their... saw Rio. Like, I saw it on a plane. <laughs> that must have been annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't turn it off. Why won't you stop? <laughs> I'm like, it's just, I want to read, but it's just so colorful in front of my face. I guess I'll just watch this instead. But then I'm like hating myself for watching it. I'm like, this isn't that good. That's how I saw Megamind. Oh. I, was coming I back. like Megamind. I love Megamind, but yeah. I saw it because I was on an airplane coming back from Hawaii. And I was like, oh, I never saw this. Okay, good excuse to I watch it. I, I don't think I've seen it. Okay, oh, it's really you should funny. totally check it out. It takes the idea of the superhero or the supervillain has taken over the city now. Right. Right. It's a really good concept. Um, and it's a, a nice Will Ferrell view. Yeah, mm-hmm. a really nice Will Ferrell uh, job, as well as um, Brad Pitt and Tina Fey. Tina Fey, and of course uh, Minion. What's his? What was uh, David Cross? Oh, David Cross. Yes. Yeah, Tobias Fumke yeah. as a Minion. I love David Cross. <laughs> the only real spinoffs that have come from a, a Pixar movie was the animated uh, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command TV show, which I actually watched and was really, really good. Yeah, they had Patrick Warburton. Yeah, they had Patrick Warburton, that's right. Um, I love Patrick Warburton. As a fun side note, um, Pixar actually, uh, this is not really well known, but believe it or not, Pixar actually has another division in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Mm -hmm. That division is what they call Pixar Canada. They're responsible for the shorts, the animated shorts, and they're also responsible for Pixar merchandise and a placement in like advertisements or shorts, like for TV specials and things like oh, that. Okay. 
So they have two complete divisions, California or Emeryville, California, and Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Huh. Cool. Yeah. And at the Emeryville campus, which is technically their third home, I think, um, they just broke ground or they just opened up a completely new complex on the property. So now they have a larger team, a larger server farm, more offices to animate and things like that. So awesome. They're ever expanding. That's so rad. They are a powerhouse studio. Oh, undoubtedly. I think they now set the industry standard for what storytelling, in general, storytelling is about. I would agree with that, That, yeah. They've done so much, not just for for family movies, but just for movies in general. Absolutely. They push the boundaries, which is fantastic. We talked a lot about that last week. And the only way that they were able to do this is creating that leverage at first with Disney, and then Steve Jobs was a gigantic proponent for let them do what they want. Do you see what happens when you try to interfere? Yeah. Let them do what they want. He was, in his own way, Steve Jobs was the biggest fan of Pixar yeah. and fought tooth and nail to get them what they wanted. I think that I think it does show a lot for what creative freedom can allow. Oh, yeah. And when you're not controlling it so much as, you know, what is it that you expect to play to the audience. And I feel like Pixar... Playing to the audience, yes, exactly. I feel like what Pixar does is it trusts their audience. And I I have that problem when people are... They always try to just spill it out too much and they don't trust Not just trust, but respect it, too. Because as an audience, as a collective group of people, we all have different level of intelligence. Mm -hmm. But there's just certain things that you don't need to spell out in black and white for the audience. Which is can be a, a huge turnoff. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. By the way, fun tidbit: uh, Steve Jobs and John Lester helped design uh, their current home in Emeryville in terms of the buildings and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Fun oh, tidbit. Nice. Which brings me actually to a, a my closing wrap up for this. Um, earlier this week, or I think it was late last week, there was an interesting uh, short video of Danny Boyle, the director of uh, Train Spotting. Of Sunshine, which is an extremely underrated but amazing movie. Uh, he won the Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire in his most recent movie, Trance. If you want, I can provide the links uh, upcoming soon. But he talks about how the movie industry, unfortunately, has taken a bad turn in terms of the Pixar-fication of everything and how there's no more adult movies that really push the boundaries like his does in Trance, which I did see, and it is a very adult movie. So I, it was a very interesting, not necessarily criticism, but a, a, a very interesting side note on, yes, Pixar is amazing, absolutely, but it's taking away from the like movies of the 70s where there were very adult-themed, uh, adult-relatable movies that really pushed the language, the sexuality, the violence, like boundaries and stuff. It was just what he came up with. I would 100% disagree with that. I think that there are multiple obviously there are multiple genres to films mm-hmm. right so you have pixar and you have the pixar themes which at moments has adult themes i.e toy story 3 themes about death yeah, the beginning themes, of up yeah, yeah the beginning absolutely. of up um but there are still movies out there that are coming out that are just laced with adult themes so to have that idea that that films aren't like that and that films are getting soft I think is ridiculous because I think that I think that there are people out there who want to tell their story and when they tell their story their story has adult themes in right. it. So who gives a crap if it's getting all you know more Pixar like or 
you know, playing more to a general audience. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Not trying to say that, you know, they're pandering to a certain time. Because I don't think Pixar panders. No. At all. And I think what they're doing is they're allowing multiple audiences to appreciate the story that they're presenting. They're writing a story that appeals to everybody. When you're in a very specific genre where you're doing something very adult-themed, you are limiting your audience and you need to get over that. Yeah. I think that there are plenty of opportunities for art and doing it in an adult theme, that's fine. Yeah. If you want to do that. But I think that the opportunities to present art to a general audience and include kids and their parents and even, you know, 20-somethings like us and have us all appreciate that, that I think is actually more limited to do a successful, powerful story with a strong message. That is a hell of a lot harder than showing drugs, titties, and swearing and calling that art. So... Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Titties. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's the most passionate I think I've ever seen you with with uh, something like that. I'm passionate about storytelling. Yeah. I'm really passionate about storytelling. And I do think that there's, I think there's many ways of doing it. And I think that there's plenty of pathways and options that you can choose. And the fact that there is room in cinema for all different types of art. Oh, Absolutely. You don't have the right to bitch about that right, because you, can't you, monopolize you will it. you will have your avenue. Yeah, it, your avenue will always be there. And if nobody is seeing your movie, don't blame it on Pixar, but blame it on the fact that your movie just might alienate people. But because yeah. you chose to create it that way, that's which is that's that's part of your art. And with all due respect, Mister Bolt, you won a fucking Oscar yeah. for a film that is a hundred percent with adult themes, but. It doesn't matter. We didn't go. Nobody goes and looks at previews and goes, "Oh, that has adult themes in it." I wish to go see that. Film. Even though that's actually one of the MPAA ratings when you right, get like a PG themes. or PG thirteen, yeah, an adult thematic material. But I mean, like, I didn't. You know, I don't choose to go see movies based upon what themes or you know how it's being presented to the audience. I go to see it because I want to see. I want to see if that story's interesting. Yeah. You know, I, if if the trailer is is enough to give me something to to bite into to say, hey, you know, I'm willing to give you. Ten to twenty dollars worth of my my hard earned money to go see your story. Yeah. You best be good. I know, right? You know, and if you're <laughs> you best you best not not mess up, man. Don't fuck up, man. Because if so, I'm going to write a horrible review on Yelp. Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we've gotten to today. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yelp has strong considerable factors in anywhere Food you look yeah. and movies yeah um i'm kidding i mean <laughs> I but it's just are the, there aren't yelp reviews for movies not yet uh, movie theaters yeah but well, movie not movies but no i just yeah. it's just one of those the things where too sticky it, <laughs> but it's just one I'm of those sure things the porn theater. Where I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna make a porn related joke but no it's I'll just let you one of those one. things that just, that just really gets me because it's like you know every storyteller or every filmmaker should be inherently a storyteller right Whoever it is that's writing the story should have the ability to tell a story. And if you suck at telling a story, then you need to get out of the business. Or go work for Sci-Fi Channel, because they apparently will take anybody. No, no, no. They have good stories. Sharktopus was a delight. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, come on. Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Get it together, David. You guys are for smoking God's crack. <laughs> um, I could not be a bigger fan of Pixar unless they asked me to work for them. Even being a janitor for Pixar, it would be amazing for me because they're there they represent a team of collective and creative individuals that can share collaborate and tell amazing stories 
while working together to create a wonderful vision of an alternate life, whether it be completely made up in terms of Monsters Incorporated, whether it's Under the Sea with Nemo, or whether it's just toys coming to life in terms of the Toy Story series. It's just, it really shows how creative a team can be without studio interference. And that says something. This, yeah. is a, this is a studio that has been making movies, technically, for just around 20 years. Yet they are, in terms of a studio that releases movies, in terms of critical success, they're one of the highest. In terms of earnings, definitely one of the highest, absolutely. It's just, it's, it's indescribable. It's like every time I go to a Pixar movie, no matter what it is, I get the sense of wonder of feeling like a kid again, watching those funny and uh, awesome moments, but at the same time, having those adult related moments like having those moments that they project on screen and having felt those in life creates that moment of like not necessarily transcendence that's not the word i'm looking for but a moment of connectivity connectivity to the past. yeah yeah absolutely it's just I, I don't get to experience that with movies anymore in general right but pixar usually knocks it out of the park yeah in every respect this is true but the funny thing is, is we've come so far in the realm of animation that when I go see something two-dimensional animated on a big movie screen, I get fucking giddy. Because yeah. that transports me back a little bit even oh, further. So nostalgia is a little powerful on that oh. one. Well, all right. So then to make matters even more awesome, John Lasseter, who currently, you know, he still works at Pixar. I think he's technically in charge he is currently in charge of the disney animation studios right. and he's in charge of disneyland parks like mm-hmm. in the pixar story it covers his history uh, about how he used to work for disney he got fired by disney and now he is working and living his dream right he has literally the one of the greatest appreciations for 2d animation and the fact that he's mm-hmm. in charge of just walt disney animation studios yeah. altogether and that he's trying to push for good 2D animated movies, right. that makes me just as giddy. Yeah. Because if he's behind it, it's got to be a good story. Right. I would like to see another really good solid 2D animation come out. Princess and the Frog was good. It was really good. I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was It was good. Even though it was only the beginning, Enchanted, I loved that. The, yeah. 2D, the 2D sequence in, in Enchanted was yeah, wonderful. Right. And I that, love Enchanted. It was cute. That, yeah. David, you and I saw that movie together. Do you remember? I do. My face... When it started, like within the first five seconds of that movie, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! <laughs> yeah. Because we can't do visual jokes here on Nerds on Film, can we, Sarah? Oh, what? I said, snap. I just, I, I'm, I'm only You're just, just making fun of you yeah. right I now. did the high pitched voice. That I was know. enough. That was enough to demonstrate. See, you could have done something like this. Wow. <laughs> For those uh, eardrums that I just shattered, I do apologize. <laughs> well, I think what I would love to hear from our listeners would be, what is your favorite Pixar movie? Yes. And not let's let the Annie here. Not just what your favorite Pixar movie is. Why is it your favorite Pixar movie? Yeah. Give us give us a good reason as to, you know, does it transport you? Does it make what does it make you feel? So yeah. we're not looking for a dissertation. We're just looking for a few reasons as to why it, you enjoy that movie. Oh, absolutely. I could give my dissertation about why Wally is my favorite Pixar movie of all time and my favorite movie of all time. I could talk about it until the cows come home. I'm sure you could. <laughs> um, of course, you can always email that information to us by going to nerdonomy.com, uh, clicking on the feedback page. 
Um, not only can you email us individually, uh, which you can find at the nerds subsection of the website, you can also email us, uh, you know, what you guys think of the show, uh, what you guys would like to see as far as suggestions, as you've heard in previous shows, if you name a suggestion, we're probably going to do it. Might, it might take us that. a while, but, but yeah, we'll, get we'll, we'll get it. Absolutely. I.e., the Godfather is on the horizon. Mm-hmm. It is Just coming. Like, it, it is coming. So, and hopefully you are not listening to us while you are listening to a test. Uh, <laughs> listening to a test? Or taking doing a, a test, test. Taking a test. Wow, I, when did I, test I, get I, I, do, I do apologize. Oh, if you're in a Spanish class. Or, oh. yeah, or French. Or French. Or I do German. apologize for Maybe. not remembering your name, good sir. But oh. all I remember is that you listened to us while you took your test. And I'm just saying, don't do it again. Please. Listen to us afterwards. I don't want to have to have your teacher come find us and hit us with a ruler and be like, now you people need to behave. Exactly. <laughs> um, email us by going to nerdonomy.com. Um, you can also follow us on our own uh, Facebook pages. We have one for Nerds on Film, Nerds on History. You can also follow us personally at Twitter. Uh, I am at David C. McGuire. I'm at Sarah Ash 16 Or you can also go to at Nerdonomy. And also a new segment that we have here is not really a segment, um, but um, as you will may the have, part where we come begging to you on our hands and knees saying, "Give us money." <laughs> yeah, Pretty sure please. that segment. As you may have noticed, if you've gone to the Nerdonomy uh, webpage, uh, you know, frequent visitors or new visitors, um, there is a donation by PayPal button. Any money that you can spare, go ahead and click on that button. All money and proceeds come directly into Nerdonomy's pocket, which it helps enhance not just the cave in which we record to help with sound, but it also helps with the tech technology to ensure that we are giving you guys the best material that we can possibly give you so any little bit uh, counts if it's a dollar great for five hundred dollars we'll you know buy you dinner if just half of you donates one dollar we will be able to comfortably pay for air conditioning that's our big goal right now is air conditioning <laughs> an air conditioning unit <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I was just j- uh, readjusting my shirt. Oh, it's so hot in here. As you can tell. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we thank you in advance. We appreciate it very, very much. Anything else? Any uh, listener um, feedback? If, uh, unfortunately, even though I'm not on Twitter, you can always reach me at kevin at nerdonomy.com. Damn right, you um, can. The majority of my material that I've been working through these two parts, the majority of that comes from the special features from all the Pixar movies mm-hmm. and the documentary, The Pixar Story. So check it out. I highly recommend it. Awesome. Cool. Thank and you for letting me share, too. This is like a huge passion in my life right now. So. It, no, and it's very obvious, and we love your enthusiasm, Kevin. Well, I'm glad to bring it. My A game. Mm. <laughs> mm. He's bringing his old face. And and we know that you're sorely disappointed because you did not get through all the pages of notes that you have. It, it's okay. Uh, maybe there will be a part three. Dump, dump, dump. You know what? <laughs> or perhaps there might be a blog. There's always a chance for tangents during shows as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I'm going to go into a random filibuster, your next podcast, <laughs> about why I needed to talk about the rest of the I have the floor. I have Please the floor. stop it. I am, ex- I am exercising my human rights. Um, thank you guys again so much. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we will see you guys same nerd time, same nerd channel. Bye. Peace. And roll credits. And now, movie quotes you should not say while having sex. Say hello to my little friend!